Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in. Hope your weekend is going well. Give me a thumbs up if you can hear me okay in the chat. So, um, it is, uh, I don't know, six years since Trump came on the political scene. And it's uh, six years of um, basically us constantly being told the walls are closing in on Trump. And leading the way are the FBI and some patrician bureaucrats. The first such patrician bureaucrat was, of course, Robert Mueller. We all know that, how that worked out. It was a colossal failure because, of course, the basis for Mueller's chase was that Trump was guilty of a treasonous conspiracy with Russia. That didn't work out so well. Now, though, the new hero is Merrick Garland, who's the attorney general who has tricked Trump and cornered him and Finally, now really the walls are closing in because uh, this week Trump was raided by the FBI and uh, accused of possibly violating the Espionage Act by improperly holding on to classified documents that he took from the White House upon his departure. And the same people who told us for years that Robert Mueller was going to nail Trump on a Russia conspiracy are now basically transferring all of the energy into this new document thing and Merrick Garland being their replacement savior figure for Robert Mueller. So let's play a clip of one such voice who was very into the whole Trump-Russia conspiracy thing. And that is Lawrence O'Donnell of MSNBC, just to capture what is the prevailing mood right now in that corner of the world. Night of the... And so tonight, on the fourth night of the worst legal week of Donald Trump's life, Donald Trump has to try to find a way to sleep knowing how very badly he misjudged Attorney General Merrick Garland. I personally approve the decision to seek a search warrant in this matter. Merrick Garland has handled the most important week of his life flawlessly. And in the process, Merrick Garland has outsmarted Donald Trump at every turn. Merrick Garland did everything he possibly could to protect Donald Trump's privacy when he ordered the execution of a search warrant at Donald Trump's home on Monday. All FBI agents had to be in plain clothes. They had to arrive and leave during normal business hours. They had to do their jobs in a way that would escape media attention. Then Donald Trump decided, for some reason, that it was in his interest to make public the FBI search of his home, and that's how we found out about it. So that's the uh, basic line. Merrick Garland entrapped Trump, cornered him, tricked him into uh, releasing the warrant. Uh, But of course, I think, uh, at least from my point of view, of course Trump wanted the warrant released because I think, just like Russiagate, while, you know, voices like Lawrence O'Donnell are singing the praises of the FBI and proclaiming that Trump is finished. I think this is a big political gift to Trump because once again, this emboldens this uh, narrative he he has that that the deep state is trying to sabotage him. And unfortunately for someone like myself who doesn't want to see Trump reelected, I think there is merit to that. that there, There is a plot by people inside the national intelligence community to sabotage Trump. And as I've said a million times, not because, you know, Trump policy-wise is all that different from them, but because Trump just puts a bad face on what they do. He's not good for the brand. He is too honest. He says honest things sometimes. And occasionally he deviates from the consensus. And when he does that, he has to be punished. And so I see this raid as just a continuation of that. And look, it's difficult to judge exactly what is going on here because we don't know the exact nature of those documents that were retrieved that Trump allegedly and possibly uh, illegally took. We don't know what they contain to what they're about. And uh, so it's, it's, it's difficult to uh, make judgments accordingly. I suspect they have to do with Russiagate because Trump before he left did declassify a whole bunch of Russiagate documents that were then, um, not released to the public because of some, basically Trump made the huge, the error of declassifying at the very end of his presidency and thus basically left the process of releasing those documents to his opponents, to the Biden administration. Of course, they weren't going to let 
damning Russiagate documents come to light. So that's on Trump. And if they have, if he has those documents in his possession, I wouldn't be surprised if this is the FBI trying to basically seize them fully and trying to make sure that they never see the light of day because uh, we know for a fact that Russiagate was a fraud. It was, you know, there's a million things the FBI did that were completely embarrassing. And so it's plausible to think that the FBI wants to take possession of those and do its best to prevent any disclosure. And, you know, the list of, I don't need to go through the history of what the FBI did, but basically in short, they launched an investigation of not just Trump, but his entire campaign based on the most ridiculous predicate, I think in the history of the FBI, where they claimed it was based on a low level volunteer, George Papadopoulos making a suggestion of a suggestion that Russia had offered to help the Trump campaign in some unspecified way. So there was no actual evidence at all when the FBI launched this huge consequential Trump-Russia investigation. And on top of that, later on in May 2017, they opened up a second investigation of Trump as a Russian agent. And again, based on no factual predicate, just basically he was saying nice things about Vladimir Putin. And so the FBI decided they could investigate a sitting president, let alone anybody, uh, for as being an agent of, of Russia. And so that, you know, that's the, um, mindset of the FBI. So it wouldn't be, it wouldn't surprise me at all if this raid is just another, uh, effort to protect that and pre- prevent accountability for it, which has been, you know, very few and far between. There's been, there's the Durham investigation, which doesn't really seem to be going anywhere. There was the DOJ inspector general that didn't, you know, that uncovered that the FBI relied on Christopher Steele and they had to point that out because that was so embarrassing and ridiculous. But actually that investigation, and I've written about this, ended up, ended up letting the FBI off the hook. For example, believing the FBI's story that they opened up the investigation based on the George Papadopoulos predicate, which because it's so ridiculous to me, just doesn't pass muster. And I think Steele played a bigger role than the FBI has been, will, been willing to acknowledge. So anyway, look, what does all this mean? To me, this politically is a gift to Trump. It makes him look like a victim. I don't think, I just, based on the FBI's track record, I, I would bet on this not being a big legal threat to Trump, uh, given what we saw with the whole Russiagate thing. I just don't think uh, they have enough to nail him. But, you know, I could be wrong here. Maybe he royally screwed up with these documents. Uh, but ultimately, look, no matter what happens with Trump, what does this do overall when it comes to the impact on democracy? It's, again, this story that removes the public from politics that, you know, centers these intra-elite struggles, Trump versus Democrats, Trump versus the FBI, Trump versus the deep state, and removes people completely from the political arena. So Russiagate, everybody had to just sit back and watch Robert Mueller do his thing and deliver the smoking gun. We all know how that turned out. And similarly here, you know, our heroes now are supposed to be the FBI, and we're supposed to worship them and count on them to, you know, bring down this reviled figure. And meanwhile, actual issues that impact people's lives are relegated to the sidelines. And that's the playbook over and over, over and over and over. Same thing with January 6th as well. You know, January 6th before this was supposed to be the big thing to bring down Trump. But again, that hasn't been going so well, despite the best efforts to put Liz Cheney on TV every single day. So, you know, in short, all of these efforts that are, are billed to us as efforts to defend democracy from Trump, to me, are ultimately gifts to Trump and, more importantly, erode democracy by placing our faith in unelected national security state bureaucrats, whether it's Robert Mueller or Merrick Garland or whoever else, you know, is working behind the scenes. So that is my rant. Let's take some calls. And the first is Peter Petta. Hello? Hi there. Um, yeah, I basically agree with what it is that you said. Um, um, political theater, it doesn't... It just acts like, you know, it just makes the Democrats look morally superior, but it's not going to stop them from losing the midterms, and it's not going to stop them from taking massive losses. They're just trying to do anything um, that's trying to 
No. They're they're desperate. But at the same time, you know, if it just shows um I don't think Trump's gonna go to jail. And I mean how many other politicians do things similar to this that aren't Trump? And you know, like it's just it's not really um I don't I don't think much is gonna come from this. It's just more pointless uh this I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Listen. So, thanks for the call. You are your 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 connection was breaking up a little bit, so we didn't catch everything. But I I got the gist of what you're saying. And um, yeah. Look, you know, one thing I forgot to mention is what's interesting is so much attention has been paid on this FBI raid, and Democrats are cheering it. Some Republicans are even are denouncing it, calling for dismantling the FBI. But notice how nobody condemned the FBI when. You know, shortly before the Trump raid, uh, you know, a, a week before, uh, and we talked about this on a recent episode of this show, the FBI raided uh, the African People's Socialist Party, a small uh, black liberation group based in St. Louis and Florida. And it raided homes belonging to members of that party uh, in both St. Petersburg, Florida and St. Louis. And, you know, nobody was even accused of committing a crime. But because they had associated with some Russian national who has been indicted for allegedly interfering in U.S. politics, their homes were raided. And, you know, they were told by the FBI that they are basically unindicted co-conspirators in this case of a Russian national that they were in some kind of contact with. And, uh, you know, the FBI spent a lot of time at these people's homes and took away documents, took away things, and basically put out in the media that these were all Russian agents and, and Russian dupes. And nobody cared about that. Nobody, certainly on the Republican side, was calling for the FBI to be shut down. But to me, I mean, that is just as egregious a action as the Trump raid. I mean, these are political activists being accused, basically, without any evidence of being Russian dupes. And that is the Russiagate playbook that has been established for the last six years. Anybody, whether you're on the left or the right, who deviates or challenges in some way the establishment consensus, you're going to be facing allegations of being a Russian agent. Jill Stein, the Green Party candidate, also faced this. She was, in, she was investigated by the Senate Intelligence Committee for colluding with Russia and had documents subpoenaed. She's a political candidate uh, running for president you know, on the Green Party, and she had to you know, comply with an investigation and hand over documents and go through this process, and this has been completely normalized. Nobody on either side of the aisle really cares about any of that. It's only on the Republican side when Trump gets targeted that they start to uh, be concerned. Now, on the Democratic side, they cheer everything. You know, they're totally on board with it. So it's a, you know, uh, for many reasons, it's it's an ominous playbook that's been completely normalized. Um, and of course, no one on any side of the aisle is going to pay attention when it targets people uh, like the African People's Socialist Party. Okay, Sam, you are up. Hey, Aaron, hope your weekend is uh, going well. Thank you. Um, so real quick, uh, to your point about the FBI, I mean, I think it's, you can't be surprised. I mean, the FBI has a long, long standing history of Suppressing, suppressing African-Americans in this country for any political movement dated back to MLK, Malcolm X. I mean, you know, it was the height of the and, and for the exact same reason at the time. Remember, we were in a Cold War with Russia and uh, you try to dismiss them that these these people are being influenced by the, the Soviet Union. The Soviet Union is, is is sponsoring these these movements across, you know, America for the rights to you know desegregate, which I never understood how anyone could buy that. But. I'm not remotely surprised, and I don't think anyone should be surprised with what the FBI's history has been in regards to any political actions that the African-American community takes. Uh, to the point about uh, Russia, uh, the, the files, I, I would – I don't know. I kind of lean towards he's got files that were helping Saudi Arabia. I would be more inclined to believe that because uh, – you know, of course, you would know more than I would in regards to what's more likely. But I think it was in relationship to possibly Saudi Arabia in some way or another, because, I mean, remember, he put Rick Perry, who at the time tried to uh, was was going to Saudi Arabia to, quote, help them with nuclear development for energy. 
Meanwhile, you know, they're sanctioning Iran left and right. And I'm just saying with Saudi Arabia, you have a more direct line. It's quite possible, however slim, that they most likely just lost out on the whole Russia gate. I mean, it's 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 closed. There's no evidence to show that he's colluded with Putin in any shape, way or form. He's he's completely escalated with Russia. But with Saudi Arabia, I feel like with the golfing and, you know, the the money they funnel through the hotels and he approves weapon deals, I'm just more likely to, to believe he's probably got some files that will help. Either they have for – I don't know if it's nuclear uh, information. I mean, that's probably too classified that he could just walk out with a folder on it. But maybe something regarding Iran or I- Iranian groups. It's definitely. Right. I would lean okay. towards something yeah. that helps Russia. Yeah. It helps uh, Saudi Arabia. But right. anyway, well, I'm, uh, that's the that's the um, that's the question. It's it would be great to get more detail. I mean, it's frustrating that you know in such a consequential investigation, raiding a former president's home, we don't know the basics of what it's actually about, like what these documents pertain to. Hopefully, we will find out. I will guess though, maybe we won't, because the FBI <laughs> loves to keep secrets. And uh, it, it will be on, it will be on Trump to disclose them. Sam, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Take care, brother. Okay, Pax, you're up. Yeah, I'm just I, I I'm still trying to figure out what the ultimate game plan is for Trump. I mean, do they really want to see him behind bars? Uh, he was originally Hillary Clinton's idea as as a populist <laughs> candidate that you know that she could easily take out, but. Uh, you know, how, how seriously worried are they that, that Trump could carry the Republican nomination in 2024? Is, is that really what they're freaked out about? Is that why they're going after him so hard? Yeah, you see, you know, that's a theory from some people that they don't want to uh, see Trump. Uh, they're worried that Trump will win again if he runs. But, you know, I, I don't see why, if that's true, why they would be worried. I mean, he really disgraced himself with January 6th thing. I mean, that yeah. was ridiculous. Yeah. And, you know, he lost the last time and people blamed him for the handling of COVID, uh, which wasn't, I think, totally fair. But he was, you know, he was he's so erratic that just in at a time when, when the, you know, the COVID crisis was happening, he uh, that's who was blamed. So there's plenty of reasons for people not to vote for Trump. So the idea that they're afraid he'll win again, I well, uh, it's far fetched. But you know, at the same time, look, these are these are these are people who investigated him for being a Russian agent. So who knows what they think? I just, I have this other nagging suspicion is that, you know, as, as the, as the American empire continues to spiral and we see all of these issues that, you know, are rising up. I mean, just, just major macro issues like, you know, the increased wealth inequality, um, just the rise of debt and inflation. You know, we're heading into some harder times. The economy is going to begin to spiral. And it's mm-hmm. gonna it's gonna build up this kind of revolutionary energy, and it seems yeah. to me like the 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 ruling elite would much rather have this revolutionary energy being channeled into something that is more right wing or fascist than to have it actually channeled into a real you know people's movement that is looking out for working people. So it, I, this nagging suspicion is that they're they're going to keep him around as just this you know, paper tiger that they can, that they can beat up from time to time because it does anything going after Trump does fire up their liberal base because they eat that shit up. Yes, it's true. They do. Um, but I do think this will, you know, also help Trump win back people maybe in the Republican party. Cause they'll see, you know, look, when yeah, you see someone yeah. being targeted by the FBI, it's pretty serious and it plays into his narrative, which has been validated that he was his presidency was sabotaged uh which is true to a certain extent i mean investing in a, investigating a president for more than two years as a russian agent and you know even though Mueller's team knew they had nothing they kept it going and they never even made an announcement saying yeah look by the way all this russiagate stuff is bullshit they they just kept they kept the idea going that they might have something right up to the very end so um I think, but that, that's why I do think that, that that this is a gift for, to him because it can only benefit him by playing him by by portraying him as a victim. And actually, especially after the January sixth thing where he was just looked looked so terrible, this grants him sort of some kind of uh, like a, a grounds to say that like there's a conspiracy against him. And yeah. Yeah. I think you know, it's these people can't help themselves because they're so Trump obsessed, but it ends up helping him. <laughs> 
Trump derangement syndrome. It works both ways. That's right. Exactly right. All right. Thanks. Thanks thanks for the call. Okay. Pierre. Hello. Hi there. Hi. Um, I just don't see how this is a political gift for Trump. Um, There was a YouGov poll that came out today that says 37% of Republicans say it's a very or somewhat serious problem that Trump took classified materials with him to Florida um, after leaving office. So, so far, the evidence, I think, goes in the other direction. I think that even if it was, he's a proven political loser. He, you know, he won, he lost, he won in 2016, but he lost the popular vote. He lost the House. He lost the Senate. He lost in 2020 by, you know, six, five to seven, I forget the exact number, million votes. So I think it would actually help Democrats if he actually got a boost from this. I'm not saying that's connected, but I think that's the reality. Um, yeah. Well, but that's dangerous because, you know, Democrats wanted him to win in 2016 in the primary and he ended up winning the, winning the presidency. So be careful what you wish for. Also, look, I'll say this. Um, so I didn't know that about those polls. So so point taken. But I will say, look, early on in Russiagate, I bet you a lot more people believed that he was guilty of a conspiracy than believed it at the end. And so after a while, I mean, initially, it's easy to think there's something there. But as these, as these things go go on and there's no evidence, there's nothing, and there's no smoking gun, that risks turning people over to Trump's side. Uh-huh. Well, yeah, I mean, we don't know that. But I think that, you know, it's possible that I think Oakham's razor here would suggest that he didn't value the the idea of what's personal versus what's public in terms of materials, which is kind of how he viewed the office. So he probably thought, that's my stuff. I want to take my stuff. He took his stuff. And when they wanted it back, he didn't want to give it back. And I don't think there's some grander explanation for this. Um, and he's pro- he's just—he's not a very bright guy, so he probably didn't get that. That doesn't make it legal. Um, so I think that it's probably simpler than people are making it out to be. Um, and I don't know if they'll prosecute because, um, you know, there's a certain discretion there. But this whole idea that the GOP is anti-FBI is ludicrous. I don't—I mean, I think they were almost unanimously behind the idea of the FBI— prosecuting or investigating and prosecuting Clinton in 2016. So, you know, if you're going to be consistent, you got to at least admit that, you know, that that's kind of a, I mean, yeah, there's got to be some consistency there. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, fair enough. Look, I guess we'll see. Uh, it might just be that your explanation is, is correct. That this just, he just very sloppily packed up and left and took the wrong things. And now he's paying the price for it. Uh, okay. and, and my theory, and my theory that it's about Russiagate could well be proven wrong. I was only speculating, but you know, we'll see. I, I really hope, I really hope we find out. I guess that's, that's what I'm saying. So okay. thanks, Thank thanks, thanks, thanks. For okay. Rob. Aaron, how are you doing? Hi there. There was a new report about what the FBI discovered secreted at Mar-a-Lago. Guess what it was? Let's hear it. The Iraqi WMDs. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, and the P tape right behind that too. Yeah, and yeah. guess what Ron DeSantis said to Merrick Garland about the raid at Trump's Florida property. What's that? DeSantis said, "What have I done to deserve this?" <laughs> I think it's ridiculous to think this doesn't help Trump in the Republican primary. He may have won anyway, but DeSantis was making incremental road gains. And I don't know about the 35% poll. Hmm. The Republicans I've checked are all more pro-Trump now. They would tell a pollster that they're pro-Trump now. Hmm. I also think it's ridiculous to think this is about, I mean, maybe the regime is so absurd as to make this about classified documents after all he's been persecuted. Uh, And I I voted for Tulsi Gabbard for president in 2020. Uh, But it's about January 6th. Mm. That's what the general warrant. I mean, I'm 
I'm 90% certain that it's about January 6th. So documents related to January 6th or January 6th? Documents related to January 6th. Okay. Right. The, 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 the warrant was, there are no civil liberties. There are no civil liberty in to the previous person. What is a civil, what is a civil libertarian? A conservative who's been arrested. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, look, I mean, for me, the January 6th angle is that Merrick Garland has been under so much pressure to indict Trump over January 6th. I mean, that's from day one. That's all we've heard. I mean, and the congressional committee, like Adam Schiff, Liz Cheney, they can't hide the fact that they're putting on this whole January 6th production for Merrick Garland. I mean, it's, it's, they don't even try to conceal it. That it's basically a stage. Really? Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, it's a, it, it's a stage show to try to connect. I hadn't seen that. You, see, you missed that? Okay, well, they, they're they constantly saying that their audience basically is Merrick Garland. They want him to indict Trump for January 6th. And I just thought, although I think what Trump did was impeachable, and I think, you know, uh, he was held to account for it, to charge him criminally uh, is, I think, really difficult because, you know, you can point to him saying we're going to march peacefully. So if you're saying we're going to march peacefully, how are you then criminally liable for a riot? That just doesn't make sense to me. So I think, to me, this move by Garland was a way to compensate, or, you know, could be a way to compensate for him deciding not to uh, obey the mob and press charges over January 6th. Yes, that makes sense. But the theory I've heard and this is just a theory that I don't assign any percentage to, is that they're trying to get January 6th, his his civil efforts, rather than the incitement to violence, uh, uh, charged. And that requires you to think on premeditation that, he, that Donald Trump thought he didn't win, which is somewhat implausible. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. It's just right. a cluster. Yeah. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. Rob, thank you for the call. Good okay. to hear from you. Steve. Hi, Aaron. It's Steve from California. Uh, old-timey peace activist I've called before. Um, so <laughs> I never played Dungeons & Dragons, but I, I remembered they have these character um, alignments and maybe this would help us with convincing people that that both sides are evil. Mm. And here's what... So there's lawful good, neutral good, chaotic good. And then there's lawful neutral, neutral, chaotic neutral. And then there's lawful evil, neutral evil, and chaotic evil. So what I'm trying to say is maybe this metaphor... Maybe we could use this metaphor that, you know... The, the deep state the, the and the Democrats and Republicans, you know, the, the never-Trumper Republicans, they're the lawful evil because they're neocon foreign policy and they're neoliberal capitalists. Uh, Trump is chaotic evil. He's also neocon foreign policy. Oh, we have to have the biggest military. Oh, oh. And, and he's also... Um, Obviously, neoliberal capitalist, you know, tax breaks for the rich, uh, I guess, uh, beans for the rest of us. And and when it comes to uh, our friends in Congress, right, so the lawful good, right, they're in Congress. Uh, but the, the problem with lawful is in times like this, you can't. You can't just keep voting for defense budgets. You can't just keep voting for more police funding. It, it, it doesn't work. Uh, they're, they're, they've made themselves irrelevant. And uh, so people like us are the chaotic good. So uh, we got to make some things happen. I mean, we got to do some protesting. We got to do some, you know, sitting down in front of the road, in front of the, tr- in front of the bulldozers, chain ourselves to some desk. Uh, because the battle is being fought between you know the, the the deep state and the Trump forces, and uh, neither of them, it, it, both of them, are going to lead to our destruction. 
Well, I totally agree with that. Uh, and that's the problem with centering these intra-elite struggles. As the as I was saying before, the public is totally displaced, and we're just yeah. reduced to spectators. And it, we're, it's we're, great we're for spectating. it's great right. for it's great for ratings for MSNBC, which could really could really use the boost right now. So I'm happy for them, but it's bad for everybody else. It's bad for democracy. No, we're we're but, spectating yeah. between those two forces. That's right, Steve. Thanks for the call. Sure thing. All right, Ian. And Ian, if you're there, there's a microphone button that you press to unmute yourself. Am I good? Yeah, you're good. Cool. Um, yeah, so two people I really rely on uh, to understand basically primary source stuff um, is yourself and Kevin Gastola. And so, yeah, I was watching um, the Unauthorized Disclosure podcast a couple days ago with uh, Kevin, Rania, and um, Norton. And also Kevin did an interview with uh, John Kiriakou and they seemed like actually kind of more inclined towards the, I guess the story that Sam was talking about where um, maybe there's some legitimacy to this idea that like Trump is running nuclear documents to the, the Saudis or something. To me, that sounds a little bit implausible, but like I'd have to kind of look at, I guess like what my own sort of biases and during the, the whole Russiagate years, you know, I kind of made this heuristic and, you know, here's like a pretty obvious one. If it's in the Washington Post, if it's based on anonymous sources, if it's about Donald Trump and it's kind of wild, it's a lie. Like and then I just tune it out because there was just, you know, like so much so much noise and it almost always was lies. So when this story came up, I was like, oh, this is this is the same shit, like same old thing. But you know, when I have other people that I think are usually pretty good at, you know, kind of textual analysis, especially of like legal documents, like thinking there must be that, that there may be something to this. And I, I kind of wonder, I mean, it seems like a pretty good rule, like because if, you know, if the FBI or any of these, you know, these sources say or, you know, unnamed sources, you know, if they had something legit to say, they'd be on record like they'd be accountable for what they're saying. And if they're saying it off the record, particularly to the Washington post, most of the time it's because they're trying to launder a rumor or something about Trump. Like it's just, that's just kind of how it works. But, you know, I could be led astray by my own, my, my own rule here, but uh, I don't know, like, like you probably at least looked into some of the legal stuff surrounding this, like, you know, is it just another like Mueller time thing or, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I guess this is more, about, I have like, not, I, but I have not looked into the legal. I mean, first of all, I'm not a lawyer, so, um, I'm limited at what I can, uh, judge about this stuff. But I, I look, the problem is we haven't seen what they're actually looking for in terms of the nature of these documents. We also haven't seen the affidavit uh, made in support of the search, which really is the most important part because that's that lays out the factual basis for the raid. And that's given by an FBI agent, but we haven't gotten that yet. I think there are being efforts made to unseal that. Uh, hopefully they, they will prevail. But short of that, I, I, you know, I mean, especially because I'm not even a lawyer to begin with, but without seeing what the basis is, I just don't see how it's possible to weigh in on the questions that you're outlining. Oh, okay. So, sorry. I'm sorry to disappoint. <laughs> no, it's, it's cool. I just like, as a, I guess sort of a media consumer, like, I, like I kind of like, and maybe a little bit like, you know, you not wanting to weigh into stuff that like are a little above your pay grade. Um, but like, I just kind of will just tune out stuff. Like if there isn't, yeah. You know, if we don't have an affidavit or if we don't have a primary source, I'm just going to assume it's bullshit until yeah, fair, fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. I think I think it's a healthy attitude. And look, there was so much fraud conducted throughout Russiagate. Not just throughout Russiagate, but even afterwards. I mean, like remember uh there was uh the Hunter Biden laptop thing where before the election, the FBI played into this narrative that the Hunter Biden laptop might be Russian disinformation and a whole bunch of other intelligence officials played into that too. 
a complete scam. There, there was zero basis for for believing that. That was a purely a political hack job done to help Biden win because they didn't want to look at the contents of the laptop because they would be potentially embarrassing to Biden. So everybody played along with this idea that it might be Russian disinformation, so we can't even talk about it. And so there's just plenty of reasons at this point to doubt that the FBI actually has anything based on their record. And I mean, throughout Russiagate, it wasn't just investigating Trump and his campaign based on just the, the, the thinnest predicate, I think, in criminal history. It just, at least for an investigation of that size. Um, but also all these false leaks, uh, not just also relying on the steel dossier, not just also relying on the steel dossier too, by the way, which also was reckless, but also all these leaks that came out that falsely painted a picture that the FBI had information about a Trump Russia conspiracy. For example, really early on in the Trump Russia in the Trump Russia saga and in Trump in the Trump Russia presidency, the New York Times put out this article that I still can't get over. Um, it was it was in February 2017, so right as RussiaGate is is kicking off, and this is the headline in the New York Times. Trump campaign aides had repeated contacts with Russian intelligence. And this is the first sentence. Phone records and intercepted phone calls show that members of Donald Trump's 2016 presidential campaign and other Trump associates had repeated contacts with senior Russian intelligence officials in the year before the election, according to four current and former American officials. So this is four current and former American officials telling the Times that they have wiretaps and records showing the Trump team talking to senior Russian intelligence officials, okay? Not just Russian nationals, but senior Russian spies. That's an unbelievable claim. Complete fabrication. Zero evidence for it. Months later, Jim Comey had to admit it was false. But obviously, this came from an effort from someone and we still don't know who, uh, to paint Trump as a Russian agent and his campaign as Russian agents. And there's been no accountability for that. The Times has never really tried to dig into the story, to look into why it got duped, because they don't care. They were willing to be a part of a propaganda operation. And in fact, the Times has even claimed that they were vindicated because uh, years later, the Treasury Department said that Konstantin Kalimnik is a Russian spy. And the Senate Intelligence Committee said that too, even though neither of these entities had any evidence for that claim. But they all of a sudden claimed vindication for that February 20, for that February 2017 report. So anyway, I'm just the point here is there's ample reasons to distrust the FBI when it comes to anything related to Trump. Yeah, I agree. And I guess where even the media comes into, well, the FBI and or the media, like, you know, they haven't really earned credibility on this issue. So, you know, I don't think anybody should take them seriously until, you know, there's yeah. some really damning proof. I agree. Thanks for the call. Okay. Yeah. Sean. How's it going, Aaron? Can you hear me all right? Yeah. Well, I, I would first off like to say I, I just want to give you credit where it's due. I appreciate your work on Syria and all the work that you do. I think that, uh, the honest journalists and people with integrity are, are few and far between, and it's, it's actually kind of a pleasure to get the chance to talk with you one-on-one. But, uh, yeah, thank you for your work. Well, thank, I appreciate that. Thank you. Most stuff. And uh, and past that, I'm just going to be 1,000% honest here. I think there's two things going on. First of all, I actually 1,000% believe that Trump could have just taken the nuclear codes because he's, he, he is that, he, like, he just, I'm just, I'm not, I don't even care if it's nuclear codes, just like nuclear, like, to me, Donald Trump is just like, he thinks that saying, like, I have the greatest words equates to having the greatest words. Like, there's no concept of like, oh, no, it's the thought conveyed by the words. He's just like, you know, this is nuclear, nuclear stuff. I'm keeping it. But on the other hand, like, I actually think what's going on right here, right now, is that the system of power and control that we're kind of dealing with in the United States, which is, you know, the media apparatus, the mechanism of authority, like the police and the FBI, I think that the people in power right now, like the Nancy Pelosi's, the Democratic establishment, even the Republican establishment to one degree or another, is feeling like they're losing actual control over 
kind of the public in one functionality or another. And I think that they've just been in such a narcissistic condition of life and existence. Like Nancy Pelosi went to Thailand thinking, like, listen, I'm just I'm going to do this. She is detached from reality. You know what I mean? She has no conception of what reality is because she's completely covered from any functional form of consequences. I think that's the majority of the people in Washington, the Democratic Party. I think Trump has created this condition of like, I need to prove that we're powerful. I need to prove that we have control. I need to prove that we're we're the ones in power. We have this large institution. We're the ones in power. And that, in fact, like Nancy Pelosi going into Taiwan, this Trump action has completely overstepped their bounds of what power they actually have by actually initiating a like a like there's there's people like literally shown to FBI offices in like you know with guns and like literally trying to shoot people and I think it's because of the fact we're we're simply on the sinking Titanic and that the people in power are trying to make sure that they have the peons in control and that Trump just like you know crazy January six crap is going to happen again when they don't understand they've lost control if that makes any sense yeah it does it does it does yeah yeah sean thanks for the call appreciate it sure okay the next caller is called the man all right well that's a bold name so the man you're up and if you're there there's a mute but there you go yeah hey aaron how's it going hi there um basically about about this i think there's a few questions in my mind first of all the fbi is pretty much on record as being the instigator of most of the American domestic terror threats um, by fomenting um, the plots, finding a CI, pressuring it, pressuring them to then find a patsy. And that's in court records. So it's credibility and it's sort of MO of basically fraud is huge. And uh, so every, every time I see something to do with the FBI, I'm looking at looking at it from intense suspicion. And so when it comes to this attack on uh, Trump. Another question in my mind is about theatrics and the actual ability of a figurehead to do anything in politics. And your grey zone reporting indicates this in terms of, say, the um, the stuff that you've uncovered about um, the British plot to take to to uh, enforce Brexit and then ultimately turn against Boris Johnson, for example. Now, when I look at Trump, I'm asking myself. In his reign, during his reign, what was his what were his the policies that he could get through? He funded he funded Ukraine. You know, he hasn't his policy under Trump really radically different to what it would have been under Hillary Clinton. I doubt it. No. And in fact, look, look and listen, when he uh, what is so incredible is that so he came in office talking about cooperation with Russia. That was immediately sabotage. And he was, you know, uh, he went along with everything that the uh, bipartisan establishment wanted to do with Russia. He approved weapon sales yeah. to Ukraine. That Obama, And then when he briefly suspended those weapon sales, he got impeached. So whenever yeah. he deviated, the bureaucracy was used to undermine him. And that, you know, that came out. I mean, during his impeachment hearings, people like Alexander Vindman were saying that, you know, uh, what Trump did was against he's something I, i'm paraphrasing something like it was against the foreign policy of the united states well who sets the foreign policy of, of the u.s is it alexander yeah. vindman or is it donald trump the, the elected president and yeah, that yeah. distinction was complete so that's what trump rep- represented is because the foreign policy establishment is used to basically everything operating according to what it dictates not according to what an elected president does you know, uh, out of their own volition. Yeah. So when Trump slightly deviated, he got he got punished for it. Yeah, and and so and so therefore, the power of the figurehead in any political um, setup seems to be almost irrelevant, particularly in the U.S. hegemony. You have no choice but to essentially maintain massive defense expenditure. Going to a point that a guy earlier mentioned, because you're trying to run the Western world, and you're basically like my country running wash trades and wealth transfers from public money straight out to all the corporatocracy that, that is, is, is controlling most of our political systems, right? So when it comes to sort of these people, people who get polarized about Trump and about Clinton or about, you know, any other contender for the, for the seat, I think it's theater because ultimately if Trump couldn't get 
his pick, his draft pick to run these core um, state entities and the, and the House and everything else wouldn't approve his, his, his appointees. He is only a theatrical figurehead who, who might have some power through executive means, right? But when it comes to this, um, do, you know, do you really feel that um, what, what they're saying they're going after is going to is going to um get traction at all because when you compare it to what Hillary Clinton did this this would be the same thing or possibly pale into insignificance i mean you know if if the charges of against trump are now espionage related or whatever or mishandling of classified information related that is what hillary clinton did and walked off scot free isn't there a, a huge obvious double standard there in addition to the fact that the fbi seems to run on fraud anyway yeah, of course. Whether it will succeed, I don't know. I mean, I suspect it won't. Um, but uh, it, to me, it's just it's another case of the bureaucracy sending a message that Trump is not welcome. He's not a suitable steward of the U.S. war machine. They want somebody else, whether it's you know Liz Cheney or you know Mitt Romney, anybody but Trump, because they just don't like the way he carries out things. And you know, there's a story um, that uh, I've reported on before. I've interviewed Cash Patel who is a former senior official under Trump and still works for him and is implicated in all this because Trump designated him to be a representative for him when it comes to dealing with these classified records. And Cash Patel, he sort of rose to prominence as an investigator on the House Intelligence Committee during the early years of Russiagate. And Mm. he basically, uh, more than anybody else, helped unearth all the damning revelations that we later found out about, including the fact that the Clinton campaign was paying for the Steele dossier uh, and was hiding that and that the FBI was relying on it. And Mm -hmm. so after he left that position investigating Russiagate, he went on to work for Trump. And basically near the end of the Trump administration, Cash tried to get key documents declassified that would have uh, exposed more intelligence malpractice. Uh, mm-hmm. including a classified version of a report that he helped write when he was on the House Intelligence Committee um, and contained some really interesting, and, and the version that's public that we've seen contained some really interesting language that I, that to me, when I first read it, to me showed that the evidence on the foundational allegation of Russian hacking just wasn't there. And there's mm-hmm. even more in that classified report, apparently, on this. And so he tried to get that released. And this was reported on by, uh, in the Washington Post, that basically when he tried to get it released, everybody fought back. The, 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 head, mm-hmm. the head of the CIA, Gina Haspel, was indignant. Uh, I think there were even threats to resign. William Barr, who was supposed to be on Trump's side, actually also mm. opposed this because the, this would really embarrass the intelligence community. And Trump backed mm-hmm. down. He ultimately backed down, even though this, the release of these documents would help him. You know? So mm-hmm. that to me speaks to the power that, that these bureaucrats have. And that even a president who was sabotaged by them still did not feel uh, strong enough to really embarrass them and go against them. So, but what's amazing is even when he plays along, it's still not enough. He still gets raided ultimately, <laughs> and he still gets okay, shown. So, so, it was so that Listen, gets me to we, what, we one have to take question. We, we we have to actually take more calls because we're out of, no we're problem, out of time. No so problem. thank Cheers, you. Thanks for the call. Cheers. Thanks. All right, Rodrigo. Hey, Aaron, can you hear me? Yes. Uh. Yeah, actually, uh, I haven't followed this topic much, so I can't really talk about it. Yeah. Um, I didn't get through last week. I actually had a follow-up question from last week's topics. Um, I read your latest article, and one thing, one lingering question that I had is, uh, in it, you, uh, you mentioned that uh, Delati claimed that he can prove without a doubt that the Duma hospital scene was staged. Oddly, more than three years later, he has not released his findings. I was curious about that. Uh, I mean, I guess I... I would have to ask Delati why that is, but um, my question is, uh, without his findings, does that mean that the it's not completely uh, proven without doubt that the hospital uh, hospital scene was staged? And another question I wanted to ask is, did you ultimately decide against your, um, m- moving forward with your libel lawsuit against Mark Townsend from uh, The Guardian? Okay, so just to explain this question for people who uh, are following it, the question is about a producer for the BBC named Ram Delati, who uh, in early February 2019 uh, said that he had conducted a long investigation into Duma, uh, where 
Syria was accused of committing a chemical attack. And later on, there was this massive scandal at the OPCW where an investigation that found no evidence of a chemical attack was censored and covered up. So Riam Delati said that he had investigated what happened at the hospital where the White Helmets, this U.S.-funded group, put out footage of what they said were chemical attack victims. And this was used to make the case that Syria was guilty of a chemical attack. And Riam Delati, who was the, the BBC's producer for Syria, said that after this long investigation, he said, I can prove without a doubt that the Duma hospital scene was staged. Um, and that was in February 2019. And three years later, he still has not released his full investigation. And it's odd. It's weird. Um, I don't know why. Uh, and But look, the... The the allegation that this was staged was not just based on him. Robert Fisk went and interviewed a doctor at that hospital who said that they were not that, that the victims were not um, suffering from a poison gas attack. But basically, the white helmets had run in with cameras, saying saying that there was an attack and scaring people and, and hosing them down. Uh, and there's other people as well who've spoken out. So it's not just based on Ram Delati that I think the hospital scene was staged. There's a whole lot of other evidence, and other people too have reported this, including. James Harkin of The Intercept. So, look, um, it would be great, though, to, to get Riam Delati's findings out because he apparently has done the most thorough investigation yet. And as for why he hasn't done it, uh, I've asked him before why he won't release his findings and he didn't answer the question. Uh, but uh, I'd love to know. And, I, and more importantly, I'd love to, for him to release his investigation. What's interesting is that his network, the BBC, has been heavily involved in attacking the whistleblowers and amazingly, when the BBC put out this multi-part podcast about Duma and about the whistleblowers, and about the White Helmets, they didn't interview Ram Delati, their own colleague, who says that he has proof that the hospital scene was staged. So why is he missing from this documentary? Well, I think it's because what he found goes against the narrative that they wanted to put out there, which is that Syria was actually guilty. So it's strange to me, his silence, and I hope it ends. But uh, other than that, I can only speculate. And in terms of a lawsuit, well, I'm still trying to get The Guardian to retract it. I'm, I'm talking to them. And um, there's a process to go through where you can appeal a complaint. And uh, I'm going through that. And uh, funnily, though, I will say that um, the report uh, that they parroted about me, this was where, you know, The Guardian called me the most prolific spreader of disinformation on Syria. It was based on this report from something called the Institute for Strategic Dialogue, and that's a NATO state-funded think tank. So they have a complaint process, too, and I complained to them. I said, can you produce one piece of evidence and one example of me spreading disinformation about Syria? Because you didn't do that in your report. All they, they said that I spread disinformation, but they didn't actually show any evidence or even one example of it, right? So I, I wrote them that, and I didn't hear back. And after, like, um, many weeks... I noticed on their website that they changed their complaints policy. And so they said that we only respond to complaints made in good faith and that don't spread disinformation. So basically, apparently me asking them to substantiate their, their claim about me and even provide one example of it is somehow bad faith and grounds for them to change their complaints policy. So it's the first time I've ever had the power to make someone change their entire policy on complaints. So that was a first for me. Uh, yeah. And that's a, uh, sounds such like such a, a joke, but uh, yeah, I, we're rooting for you. Uh, we hope that either they produce, produce something or, or they, uh, they pay for their, like just mirroring of you. But uh, yeah, th thank you for taking my car and I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks. Okay. Amanda. Good evening. Good evening. Um, I, I appreciate you you speaking up and saying we shouldn't put ourselves in between the fight, the warring elites. You know, we don't need to put our bodies in the middle of that battle. And I just wanted to comment on um, your pushback from the beginning of June with when you interviewed Dr. Gerald Horn. I There's the part where you asked him about the 1619 project, and then after the interview... I, I commend everybody to go listen to it because it's excellent. Specifically, though, I I really appreciated the way that that you approached his answer to to that it, he was in solidarity with. I'm sorry, I can't remember the 1619 project author's name. 
but I, I the way that you handled that was so um that just the way that I like to see things handled because <laughs> it was it was respectful there was nothing like you you consistently do this this is why I always trust you as a source because you consistently move away from the personality politics and the identity stuff and go straight to what really is important which is the human beings involved so I appreciate you for that and and I don't have any other comment than that today oh thanks I don't actually remember us talking about 1619 but of course I'm a big fan of Gerald Horn and it's always great to talk to him. So th- thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Okay, yeah. Mike. Hi, just got myself unmuted. Well, uh, welcome. Thanks. Um, I was curious, given the timing of the uh, the FBI raid at Mar-a-Lago, if you thought that it was uh, related to January 6th in the sense that it seems like during the whole event. The whole, uh, I, I guess what I want to call it is a charade, but um, it, they've been trying to get people to flip so that they've been suggesting they have all this extra evidence in the hopes that it will scare somebody into revealing more about what actually went on. And I was wondering if you thought that the timing of the raid is a reflection of the fact that they didn't really have any compelling evidence from the January 6th investigation and so they use the espionage act as a cover to go in and look and see if they could find anything damaging using the cover of whatever documents he has in return oh so so you so this is a fishing expedition over january 6th yes uh well you know maybe um but uh what are the odds that if trump really does have damning documents implicating himself in january 6th that he's gonna have them stored like that. Oh, I, I, I don't think that that's very, you know, I, I know that there's this narrative that there's an insider that told them where these documents supposedly are and what they contain and who's been accessing them. But I'm not inclined to just believe that narrative until somebody actually shows yeah. us something as yeah. here's what it is. So, yeah. well, you know, I mentioned you know, before that, I mentioned before that the January 6th connection to me that seems most plausible to me is that basically Merrick Garland's been under a lot of pressure to indict Trump over January 6th. And I just think that's a tough legal case. Um, Trump already got impeached, I think deservedly so, but to bring criminal charges I think is different. And so this is kind of a backup plan. This is kind of a way of looking like you're standing up to Trump um, with a raid and you know, no guarantee that they will bring charges, but at least he can say, oh, I did something, I did this. Because look, it's Merrick Garland's now a hero. You know, he's the new Robert Mueller to many many of the people who believe in Russia Gate. So, so that to me is the um, that's the connection that January sixth that I can see. Well, it it seems to me, and in in discussing this with other sort of Russia Gate truthers, it almost doesn't really matter if an action bears fruit or not. Yeah. The, the allegation always stays fresh in their mind that, you know, they investigated this, therefore it must be true. Absolutely. I mean, look, that was Russiagate. For example, Roger Stone, a uh, completely inconsequential figure when it comes to Russiagate. He he pretended that he had some back-channel WikiLeaks for a bit just to be a troll. It was a complete right. fabric. He just made himself seem bigger than he was. Yeah, yeah. Everybody knew it. The FBI knew that. But still, the FBI then sort of gave Roger Stone the attention he wanted when they conducted like an early morning SWAT raid on his house. They alerted CNN. So CNN was there to capture it. It was, it was all for show. It was all to feed like the liberal uh, hordes who wanted something out of Russia gate, wanted to see someone's head on a pike. And it also works great for Roger Stone because he gets attention and, you know, presents himself as, as a victim, which actually he was. I mean, the case against him was ridiculous. He was, you know, and Robert Mueller tried to pretend as if, they were get, they were looking seriously into Roger Stone maybe having a secret liaison or back channel with WikiLeaks. It was all a, everyone knew it was a scam, but it it served both sides' agendas, and the rest of us are the ones who have to suffer. <laughs> you know that's just the sad reality. Um, so thanks, Mike, for the call. And Tracy will be our last caller. Hi, Aaron. Hi. Hey, uh, I'm just repeating something I heard from Jimmy and Max. Your friends. 
Okay. Uh, yeah. And I think that it needed to be introduced in the conversation. Uh, I, uh, they were speculating on the fact that the judge who wrote the warrant was a lawyer for various Jeps, Jeffrey Epstein uh, figures, the pilot, the scheduler, and other people. And they were speculating about that connection. So I'm just introducing that. Interesting. Okay. I didn't know that. Um, with Jeffrey Epstein, you never know. And there's, of course, there's always an Epstein connection because that scandal implicates everybody from Trump to the Clintons. So, yeah, look, hey, um, I don't know. I, I didn't know about that and I'd have to look into it, but uh, that's interesting. Okay, well, thank you. <laughs> Thanks. All right, well, look, hey, that's a good way to end the show on some uh, Jeffrey Epstein tie-in. Thanks to everybody who uh, called in and listened. I really appreciate spending some time with me. I'll be back on here tomorrow morning at 11 a.m. Eastern time with Katie Helper after we do Monday morning on YouTube, which starts at 10 a.m. And have a great rest of your day. Bye, everybody.